From the Financial Times in London, I'm Shona Jenkins and this is FT News. Iraq's Prime Minister Haider al-Abadi has declared a great victory over ISIS in Mosul, the country's second biggest city, after eight months of brutal fighting with the militant group. Iraqi security forces are now clearing the final pockets of resistance from the city, where the group launched its bid to create an Islamic caliphate three years ago. On the line with me from Beirut to discuss events in Mosul is our Middle East correspondent, Erica Solomon. Hi, Erica. Mr. Abedi has said the final victory of his forces in Mosul is just around the corner. Is this the death knell for ISIS in Iraq? Not yet, but symbolically, absolutely. This is kind of where it all began, really. And now this is where, in terms of the story that people imagine in Iraq right now, it's where it's going to end. Technically, ISIS first entered Iraq and started capturing territory in Fallujah, but it was really with its rise and capture of Mosul and the sudden expanse of territory that it grabbed that it became clear how serious this threat was going to be to the country. And similarly now, it's become clear that they're going to be able to push out the group territorially. They still have some territory south of Mosul and some areas along the border with Iraq. And these areas will probably still take time to clear. But I think for a lot of Iraqis now, definitely they are starting to look forward. They're starting to think about how they can move on. And these are going to be the major challenges now for them in the coming years. Could you give us a picture of the recent fighting in Mosul and the condition of the city now? So different parts of the city experienced uh, very different types of fighting. The eastern half of the city, which is where the campaign began, was comparatively much less destructive. If someone who didn't cover wars went to eastern Mosul, they would probably still see it as looking very badly damaged. But for an urban combat zone, it was comparatively minor. As the Iraqi forces, backed by a U.S.-led international air campaign, moved into the western part of the city, it got a lot uglier. And the reason for that is because it's the older part of the city, the streets are narrower, it's more densely packed with people, and so it became very much a street-by-street fight, a sniper war, a war where any bombing by a warplane would really cause extreme damage and kill a lot of civilians, causing a lot of collateral damage. So really the tone kind of shifted on both sides once the battle reached western Mosul. What started off as a lot of goodwill, a lot of optimism from both the Iraqi army, the Iraqi security forces, and the people that they were coming to you know, liberate from the Iraqi perspective, it started to change when they got further west. People were getting frustrated with how many people were getting hurt. They started to look differently at the army. And likewise, the army started to look differently at civilians because more and more militants were sneaking in among them, blowing themselves up, causing attacks. So really there is now a slight issue in terms of recreating that goodwill that existed at the beginning of the battle. I don't think it's a huge problem, but it will contribute to already tense relationships between security forces and a lot of people in recaptured ISIS areas. Do we know the whereabouts of the leader of ISIS, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi? Well, according to Russia and Iran, they killed him. But no one really actually knows where Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi is today. He could still be alive. The truth is that we don't know. What a lot of analysts who study the jihadi groups say is that they believe if he is alive, and most um, do believe he is still alive, then he is probably wandering around in a very small area, somewhere between the Iraqi and Syrian border, which is a very remote and rugged area, and he might be able to 
hide away from society in a way. I spoke to one analyst yesterday who said that he imagines that unlike, say, Osama bin Laden, if Baghdadi learned from those mistakes, he will have completely cut himself off with communication from the outside world. If that theory is true, Baghdadi might not even really know to what extent things have changed around him until perhaps a courier comes or something like that. So he might be just as unaware of what's going on in the outside world as we are of what's going on with him. So you've mentioned that Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi could be sort of wandering in a remote area should he be alive. But what about the rest of ISIS, the remnants of the group who are left after the battle in Mosul? Part of it will depend on whether they're foreign fighters or locals. Obviously, it's true that a lot of local members of the group have slipped out with civilians and they will provide a threat to Iraqi forces as well as the forces recapturing territory in Syria. They could be sleeper cells. It's certain that there are sleeper cells. For foreign fighters, they don't have that kind of choice. So likely they have a few options. One is that they can go to other ISIS territories, which pretty much means Syria at this point, because I think everyone kind of agrees that it's a matter of time now for recapturing the rest of Iraqi territory. So they might go to different strongholds left in eastern Syria, particularly a province called Deirazur, which people kind of forget about. It's sort of seen as this backwater area of Syria, but it's super important. It is where all the oil that is produced in Syria comes from, and it is an area that ISIS has controlled and profited off of for years. And so this is pretty much where they are falling back right now. One of the uh, benefits for them of falling back in this area is that it is now basically the center of a power struggle between two different international alliances that are trying to take territory from ISIS, one being those supported by the Americans, a second being Syrian President Bashar al-Assad, supported by Iran and Russia. So right now, their competition is sort of overshadowing their shared fight against ISIS, and it could actually stand to benefit from that in the short term, unless they find some better means for cooperation. The other option for them is to flee back to Europe, which obviously very few can do, but some probably have, because we've spoken to smugglers in Turkey who say that there's huge amounts of money in being able to get someone out. And that leads to, I think, another point, which is that some analysts who follow ISIS do believe it is trying very hard to find a way to do a big symbolic attack in Europe. So what is the situation in the ISIS de facto capital in Syria, Raqqa? Right now, it's been surrounded by a Kurdish militia and its allies who are getting air support from the U.S. and the international coalition. Basically, now they're just pushing into the city slowly but at a steady pace. Raqqa looks like it will go faster than Mosul. It's a smaller city. And also, it looks like from what we've heard from civilians, the type of defenses it put up were really mostly to drain their enemies, make the battle last as long as possible, and not with any expectation of actually holding on to the city. So it will go on for a while, I believe, but you know, probably within the next month or two, we will see it end. So do you think we're looking at the end of ISIS in the region? No. Territorially, we are approaching that. It could take six months, it could take a year, it could take two years, depending on the sort of international dynamics. But territorially, the thing that made this group call itself a state, that gave it the chance to proclaim itself a new caliphate, that won't exist anymore. But if there's one lesson we should take away from ISIS's original rise, it is that these jihadi groups can reinvent themselves, they can be reincarnated from the ashes. This group 
is a revived version of a previous jihadi group that was present in Iraq. And the fact that it was able to regroup and come back out again and terrorize some of the people that originally fought it will, I think, definitely make those who want to resist any new insurgency tactics think twice, fearing that they could become the victims of future revenge. So this will be a long cycle that will continue. This will be the main challenge for the people who have been fighting ISIS on the ground, the locals. And for foreign powers, it will really be a question of whether or not they're willing to stand by the allies that they've asked to put their lives on the line to fight ISIS, because this is the battle that really will take years. And I think that's the question for Europe and for the United States. What kind of support are they going to give to Iraqi and Syrian forces that have been fighting ISIS on the ground in the future? Thank you very much, Erica. You're welcome. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow-up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW.